0: Hey there everyone, Art Burns here, wishing you well today. Welcome back to the Showing Up to Your Life podcast and YouTube channel. I am just really, really excited to be here with you. It's Friday. I hope that you're having a great day. I hope that you had a great week, and I hope that whatever's happening for you, you're you're showing up with presence, with acceptance, with compassion, and with curiosity because these qualities are where are the root and the absolute um, the absolute Ability for us to be happy, you know, because as I talked about yesterday, happiness and well being, right, they are skills. And skills can be developed through practice, right? And this week we've talked about a lot of these really important skills, right? We've talked about non-identification of our emotions and our our situations and roles in our lives. We've talked about uh, compassion. We talked about forgiveness. And we talked about the the four constituents of well-being, right? Which is, you know, well-being, right? And so, you know, we talked about the four constituents being... um, uh, resilience uh, outlook meaning uh, the ability to have a positive outlook and to see the positive uh, you know potential in people and certain situations and circumstances and uh, the third constituent is attention which is the ability to focus our attention on something because a wandering mind is an unhappy mind. And then finally, we talked about altruism, right? That's that fourth constituent, right? Gratitude, uh, I'm sorry, generosity and and altruism, right? And so those four things are, are the necessary components for our well-being, right? So if you're lacking in any one of those four things, then generally speaking, you are not going to be well. And when you're not well, that means that you're experiencing things like stress, or depression or anxiety or, you know, a a whole litany of other uh, aspects of, of, of unwellness, right? And that is going to impact your life. It's going to prevent you from showing up to your life, right? And when we show up to our lives right? Amazing things are possible. Truly amazing things are possible. I want to share a little story from, uh, from a client meeting that I had last night. This just blew my mind. I might start crying talking about this because I'm so happy. I get such satisfaction watching my clients improve and just, just not necessarily improve, but change their relationship to their lives and watching the things around them just start getting better and going better and going right and being you know watching people become happier and more fulfilled and more you know just more well well right their well-being is increased and when again when the well-being is increased things just fall into place so this this uh, and I've had plenty of clients that I've watched people change their their relationships of their families and their, their parents, their children. I've watched people, you know, completely change their relationship to their, their jobs and their employers and their managers and their their reports and all of that. I have even a client who shaved 10 strokes off his golf game, right? Like I, I've seen it all. But what my my wonderful friend and client last night said to me just really blew my mind, you know? So, and I do consider... My clients' friends because we we tend to work for a pretty long time. I mean, generally speaking, I I have sort of a 12-week program that's like kind of the minimum that, that you need to kind of get this stuff going in your life. And yeah, there are some people who complete the 12 weeks and they're like, okay, Art, I love you. Thanks. It was great. I'll see you soon. Take care. I'll be in touch. But I have several clients who are with me for a long time because it is a continuous process. And there's a continuous benefit of having a coach help you to apply apply these you know the, these concepts into your life and, and to and to help you to keep going and keep you know kinda um, you know keep creating the 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 circumstances and the environment for your well-being and your happiness and your fulfillment because happiness remember is an inside job right it's not it's not the the things around us that make us happy it's the happiness from within that makes the things around us kind of you know go well and fall into place right so so my client I don't want to say her name you know who you are out there uh, I don't want to uh, you know I want to respect privacy and everything but uh, but last night she said it was just at the end of the uh, at the at the end of the session and uh, it's a group session on Thursday nights. and uh, and she said to me she was like if you had told and, and we've been working with each other for over a year now Okay, and she told me that if you had told me a year ago that I would have been able to make these changes in my life, and and that my life would look the way it does right now, I would have called you a snake oil salesman, and I would have run away from you, right? Because of course I know better than to tell people that because it it sounds just insane, right? It sounds absolutely unreasonable to think that people can change things, right? But this client, and again, I want to respect her privacy, but she has made enormous changes in her life, right? Enormous changes in her life. She's gotten back together with family. She's, you know, gotten, a, you know, a career change. She's sold a house and bought a house and moved across country. She's done so many amazing things, right? And of course, you know, none of this was necessarily planned either, right? That That's kind of the point, right? It's like, no, I'm not going to teach you how to sell a house and buy a house and change a job and all that. That's I, I'm not an expert on any of that, but I'm going to show you how to be present with what you're doing as you're doing it. And that is what's going to enable you to sell a house, buy a house, change a job, move to a family, and do all the things that you do, right? And again, this is just one story out of so many, but I just thought the way that she said that, that she would have called me a snake-all salesman and run away from me, I just, I thought that was just amazing. So um, I guess I'm laughing more than I'm crying here, but I just, I was really, really touched because, again, when I see my clients just make these amazing changes in their lives and, and really, really, connect to their happiness right which of course you know in in my case with what i work with you know it it starts with stress reduction right because stress is something that keeps us all from being that present right and 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 keeps us from those those constituents of well-being right like because when we're stressed you know resilience doesn't really happen right because the stress keeps going and keeps pushing us and keeps pushing us away from that 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 you know, baseline of, of where resilience would bring us back to, right? Um, outlook, you know, when we're in the stress response and 77% of American adults live with chronic stress, meaning every single day they're getting into stress, they don't have a positive outlook because you're driven by fear at that point, you know, you're, you're driven by by the, the, the thinking of the worst possible case outcome, right? um attention you know that's something people under stress really struggle with and in fact the the mechanism of the brain when you're in that stress response the mechanism mechanism of your brain precludes and prevents you from holding your focus that's why people who are stressed are constantly thinking of the future and the past constantly And I'm one of, I used to be one of them, so I know, right? And then finally, generosity and altruism. Again, when you're in stress, right, you're in survival mode. You're thinking only about yourself. You're not thinking about what you can do for others. So therefore, things like generosity and compassion and and altruism, along with compassion and forgiveness and all the other things that I talk about, which are so essential to our well-being, gone. Gone there's no none of that for someone who's dealing with chronic stress on a high level right which again almost 8 out of 10 american adults are experiencing, right? So so you know people who are feeling that way. If it's not you yourself, right? And so and so that's why this is so so urgent, right? Because so many people are out there. And the problem is, right? And this is why I ca- I talk about showing up to life, right? That when you're in that stress response, right? And you're in that survival mode, you're not there for the for life right you're not there for the people in your life you're not there for the the pets in your life you're not there for the the job in your life you're not there for the the cars and the everything all that stuff that you have you're and, and, and what makes up your life you're not there for it because you're in this survival mode and you're looking out for what you know what you need to do to to escape right and that's the problem right and because and that's why the first thing that we do is we get that stress down right and that's one of the most beautiful aspects of mindfulness right the the ability to to reduce our stress and that really comes from, from the very basic sort of, the, the, the thing that makes all of this possible, right? The thing that makes the forgiveness possible, the compassion possible, the four constituents of, of well-being possible, the non-identification, you know, the thing that makes it all possible is the simple concept of non-judging awareness, all right. And that's it. And, th- and that's actually what, you know, that, that's a, a, a way to describe a, to, to define mindfulness. You know, there's di- many different ways that people have chosen to, to define mindfulness over the years. Right. So you have somebody like John Kabat-Zinn, who takes a very sort of, um, you know, uh, you know, scholastic or scholarly kind of uh, approach to the definition. He calls it paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. Right, that's John Kabat-Zinn's, uh, uh, you know, definition of what mindfulness is, and then you have somebody like Jack Kornfield who uses a much more poetic uh, way to 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 describe, it. and he calls it non, uh, he calls it loving awareness, right? Which is, you know, love is arguably the absence of judgment, right? When you love something, you don't judge it, you accept it for what exactly what it is, right? And so, and so that's what we're talking about. Right, that that non-judging awareness, moment to moment, is what mindfulness is all about. And so, let's talk about non-judging awareness for a few moments. And I, I've I've done this, you know, in other videos. So you can certainly search through the other videos on the YouTube channel or the podcast audios, and and find more uh, versions of this kind of uh, you know talk here. Right, but it's so essential and it's so important that I, I feel like it's worth you know kind of uh, you know. Re-revisiting right and, and especially because again the non-judging awareness is what makes all of the things that I've talked about These last four days makes it possible In fact, it makes everything that I talk about in this podcast and in this YouTube channel possible Right is the non-judging awareness. So what is non-judging awareness? You know a, a lot of times when we when I mention the word non-judging right? people you know, have a tendency to consider that in the context of a moral judgment kind of thing right so so and sometimes i get people i see people kind of like step back like whoa whoa what do you mean like you know like i think certain things are right and certain things are wrong and those are the 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 principles that guide my life and i'm not going to give those up and i'm not asking you to and that's great right like i'm not asking you all of a sudden to be like okay yeah you know i can kill somebody or i can do something you know incredibly you know immoral in my opinion and that's going to be okay and that's going to reduce my stress? No, 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 that's not it at all. Not even close, right? When we talk about non-judging awareness, in fact, moral standards will, will even be increased and more clear when we truly practice non-judging awareness. So when we talk about non-judging in non-judging awareness, we're talking about the tendency that we have as human beings to label our experiences, Right now, these experiences can be anything from going to school and taking a test, uh, going on a on a sales call for work, uh, or. Our thoughts, our emotions, our sensations of our body, right? We have as human beings, and this is something we're taught to do from a very early age, right? We're taught to label our experiences, right? Unwittingly, we're taught to do it, but we are taught to do it. We're we're taught to to label our experiences as either good experiences or bad experiences, right? Now the label in and of itself, not really the end of the world, right? But once we label something as good or as bad, what we automatically now are going to do as human beings is we're going to cling to the good and we're going to push away and try to avoid the bad. That's where the trouble starts, okay? When we are clinging to something good, right, what ha- that what happens then, that triggers that fear-based stress response, right? Because we're worried about losing something that we really want, right? So, and again, when we consider losing something that we really want, right? Like, just think about what that sentence is saying, right? We have it right now, right? This thing that's happening that we judge as good is happening right now, so there's nothing to lose, right? It's, It's here with me right now. As soon as I think about what if something happens and I lose it, I'm all of a sudden in the future, right? Or I might be in the past. I might be thinking about like, well, why didn't I prepare better for this so that I, you know, whatever. But the thing is that you're not right here right now, right? And and as soon as you start thinking about an outcome, that's when the emotion of fear sets in. And when the emotion of fear sets in, that's when the stress response starts, right? And so that's the clinging to the good. And then the trying to avoid the bad, right, is the same thing, right? Except now we're, we're rushing to the future, right? Because we, we, we are experiencing this bad thing right now and we want it to be over, right? Like that's what we're taught about. As soon as, as soon as something is bad, we need to get it away from us. We need to fix the bad into a good, right? So what does that mean? That means I have to get to a future where this bad thing is no longer happening. And then I'll finally be happy and I'll finally be okay, right? And so, so it's the labeling of things that creates this, this clinging and this, this aversion that we have right and in fact it creates a delusion as well right because when we label things as good or bad we're all of a sudden uh, you know creating all these different attributes for this thing that aren't really true right and so let's talk about a couple of ways in which we can apply non-judging or or how how judgment can be avoided in some of the things that we do in our lives right so and again this this can be anything from an experience to just a thought Right. One of the ways I I really like to describe this, you know, how a thought is just a thought. Right. So if you look at someone and you and you label them as a tall person, right, they're only a tall person when you're comparing them to someone who is short. Right. And then again, that label itself. Right. Like if I consider somebody tall, right? Like, let's say I have somebody who's six foot six inches tall, right? That's a pretty tall person. It's taller than me, you know, so I'll be looking up at the person, right? And so that is tall, right? But put that person next to a professional basketball player, and all of a sudden, hmm, not so tall, huh? Right? And now, if, if I consider somebody short, right? Somebody who's five seven, right? I'll be looking down at this person. That person, to me, is short right but if i put that person next to a professional jockey all of a sudden they're looking pretty tall aren't they they are certainly if you if you had a five foot seven person in a room full of jockeys be the tallest person in the room right if you have a six foot six person in a room full of professional basketball players be the shortest person in the room right so so where is it that we get this judgment of of somebody being tall or somebody being short, right? It's all based on our own perception, right? And so therefore, it's much more fruitful and much, frankly, easier to consider a person is just a person. They're neither tall, tall nor short until you place them in a uh, uh, an environment that, that makes them either tall or short, right? Until you take that person, put him in a room full of jockeys or put him in a room full of basketball players, right? that's the only time when it becomes tall or short because tall and short are you know, uh, uh, comparative terms, right? So instead, the person is just the person, right? And so, so when we label something, that's the same thing as judging it, right? Is if, I'm, if I'm labeling somebody as short, that means I'm judging them to be short, right? But they're not short, they're just a person, right? They're only short when I put them next to somebody who I judge as being tall, Right? And so the same thing can apply to our thoughts, right? A thought is just a thought, right? There are no good thoughts and there are no bad thoughts. There are just thoughts. And anything that we consider good or bad about them is our own judgment that we put on them, right? Same thing goes for emotions, right? There are no good emotions or bad emotions. There are emotions that don't feel pleasant right there are emotions that feel very you know you know physically pleasant right but that doesn't mean one is good and one is bad right it just means one is favorable and the other is not favorable but you can learn from both of them Right, and in fact, a, a bad, a, a, an uncomfortable emotion, right, is as is, is as valuable as a as a comfortable emotion because it's it's probably driving you away from something that is going to hurt you, that potentially poses some sort of risk to you, right? So, so it's not a bad emotion; it's actually a very good emotion. It's very helpful to you, right? So, how can we consider it bad, right? Same thing with fit sensations in our bodies, right? You know, and this is something we're really taught as, as children and as, you know, even adults and throughout our lives, right? We're taught that the, the, the immediate moment, the second that something feels painful, right? What we're doing is, we're, what we're supposed to do then is to relieve that pain, right? Because we consider pain as something bad and it's something to be avoided, Right? Whereas the absence of pain is something good and that's something to be grasped onto, right? Cling to, right? But the reality is that actually pain is something that's very, very beneficial to us, right? Pain is our body calling out for attention that it needs, right? And so, you know, pain is what, what prevents me from touching a hot stove right? Because I, I know what that's going to feel like, right? And so, so, um, so, therefore, it is not a bad thing. It is actually very, very good to feel pain because, you know, if, if I break my leg, right? This is probably a better example than the stove thing, but if I break my leg, right, the pain is what's going to make me sit down and put my leg in a position that's not going to cause further damage, Right. If I didn't have the pain and I just continue to walk around on a broken leg, well, the leg's going to get worse and worse and worse. And at some point it's not going to be repairable. Right. Like if, if we, you know, if we if we didn't know that we had a broken leg and we walked around for a month on it, well, you know, (laughs) <laughs> you know your leg wouldn't work very well after that, right? Of course, that's a silly example. Nobody would ever do that because of the pain, right? The pain is what makes you go to the doctor, get an x-ray, and say, oh, you got to get a cast on you. We got to set the bone, put a cast on it so it heals, right? So it's not bad. In fact, it's actually quite helpful. So, so it's not good or bad. It's helpful right and so so that's the idea of non-judging awareness and again non-judging awareness is the very basic building block for all of this everything that i talk about in this in this podcast right because non-judging awareness is mindfulness right so so the thing that allows us to be present, the thing that allows us to accept things, the things that allows us to let go of, of expectations that we have, the thing that allows for compassion, right People are not good or bad they are just people. their actions might be preferable or or unpreparable they might be doing you know doing they might be building something or they might be damaging something but that's not the person that's the person's actions right and 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 this goes back to the non-identification thing right you know i am not a bad person i am a person who's done something bad right or you know again i shouldn't use the word bad there i should say i am not a violent person i am a person who committed an act of violence Right. And of course, that's not me, but I'm just saying, you know, hypothetically. Right. I don't commit acts of violence ever, you know, however I used to. Right. And that's another point. Right. Like so. So if I judge myself. Right. Then I'm never able to, to change. Right. Because if I judge myself and I identify myself with that judgment, now all of a sudden I'm always violent. So therefore, I'm just going to keep, keep doing things that are violent. Right. And so that's the idea, right? This basic concept of non-judging awareness is what allows for all of this to happen, right? Now, of course, just like my client, you know, this is not something where if we were going to start working together as a coach and a client, right, I wouldn't say like, okay, I need you to stop judging things, right? Like that's not how it works because this is something that we're trained to do. So instead... What we do is we start with very simple practices, right? And as you're as you're practicing meditation and mindfulness practices, right, what you're doing is you're you're allowing yourself to experience things without judging, right? So it's not that we're gonna stop judging, we're just going to experience things without judgment. We're gonna get you used to feeling that way, and we're going to build on that feeling to cultivate this this tendency and this skill of non-judging awareness. So if you'd like to learn more about how that works, I'm here to talk to you, okay? I'm happy to talk to you, so please get in touch with me. Now, last thing, okay? do the YouTube stuff if you can, okay, please, my son always tells me, I gotta say this every video, so I'm saying it again, okay, like, subscribe, uh, hit the little bell for the notification, someday if I get enough, uh, supporters on Patreon, I'll be able to do those slick videos where, where I say the little bell and it'll like, ding, on the screen, but I'm not there yet, so, uh, so that's cool, um, but yeah, like, subscribe, share, and, uh, and comment if you would, okay, if you, if you feel moved to do it, it definitely helps, get this video in front of more people. And on the podcast side, if you're listening to this as a podcast, please rate and review. Okay. Just give me whatever you feel is the fair rating. And if you could say a couple of words about this podcast, this also will help us with the algorithms of these different um, uh, platforms and we'll get this information in front of more people. And that means that we can help more people right? So you can consider that an act of altruistic generosity. And, and, and an altruistic generosity is contributing to your well-being. So do it for yourself, <laughs> okay? <laughs> alright everybody thanks a lot and by the way if you do if you would like to support me in some of this I do have a patreon channel so you can go and, and look me up on patreon art burns coaching um, I have one patron and I love him and I'm so excited and I'm so happy and grateful uh, but he needs company so if you're if you're moved to do that um, you know that's there for you too and and then maybe someday I'll get some better video equipment and more editing and that kind of stuff make these a little slicker um, but anyway I'm happy to share this information with you and, uh, and I, I'm really excited uh, for, for the benefits that it can bring you. So I hope that's true for you. And if it's not, then let me know because maybe there's something else I could say that could, that could change that for you, right? And of course, as always, if there's something you would like me to cover in here, I'm more than happy to do that. So just send me a message and let me know, all right? Thanks a lot, everybody. And oh, and last, last but not least, if you are interested in working with me as a coach, it's very simple to do so. In fact, I'm currently offering a completely complimentary coaching session. Okay. All you got to do is go onto my website, artburnscoaching.com. Click the little link that says book a, a call. And, uh, and that is a coaching session. And so for no money at all, you just click the link. You pick a day and a time that works for you. We'll be booked. I'll do the rest of the work. You just show up for the meeting and get coached. And then after you're coached, you might feel like you want more of this coaching right? Like my client who has been doing it for over a year. You know, I have several clients who are doing this for more than a year. Or you might feel like, you know what, that was a great experience, but I don't want any more coaching and that's fine too. We'll talk about that at the end of the call. And I'd be happy to have that session with you and you will really enjoy it. I promise you that. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening. I wish you well and I'll be back again on Monday. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.